So we're blaming Ben, right? I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. We're blaming Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, okay. Let's go right ahead and do that. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. I'll I'll go along with it. I'll go along with it. Steelers lost 27-17 to to the Packers yesterday here in Green Bay. I was here to cover the game. Full column on DK Pittsburgh Sports. And believe me, I'm more than aware that Ben didn't look particularly good in the process. Again. Again. His numbers were 26 of 40 for 232 yards, sacked a couple of times, touchdown, late interception, mostly meaningless, but nonetheless an interception, QB rating of 78.3. Nothing there is super special. One of those sacks resulted in a fumble, and again, he didn't play to where you'd want him to be playing. I'm trying to word this in the most um, opinion-free or opinion we can all agree on kind of way, and I'm doing that for a reason. Because I believe that the only way that you can look at the Steelers overall, not just their offense, objectively, is to take each individual, and then from there, their positions, how they impact each other, and say, okay, what's missing here? Who needs to sit? Who needs to sit? And Ben absolutely should not be above that. I am not at all a proponent of this idea that he should be left alone and ride into the sunset untouched. If there is another quarterback on the roster who can outplay him, who can outperform him, while understanding that there are different circumstances for someone who's headed to Canton and who's been your quarterback now in his 18th year, there is something extra that's involved in it. There just is. That's how it is. So again, I'll go along with it. I'll go along with it. If there's one thing, if there's one facet to Ben's game right now that I would feel would be enough of a detriment to the offense as a whole that it would warrant a change. It would be the lack of a deep ball, meaning a consistent deep ball, meaning enough of a threat with the deep ball that you back off these safeties, you start loosening things up a little bit up front, you can run the ball, you can throw some of these more intermediate routes, none of which are working because of how quickly he's getting rid of the ball, because how many of these plays appear to be so spectacularly predictable. That's obviously on Matt Canada, not the quarterback, but I'm just throwing it into the mix here because what we need to determine is if Ben is the problem. To that end, I asked Ben after the game, what'll it take to get deep downfield again on a consistent basis? And you talked a lot about the, the importance of, of getting the running game going. But at the same time, is getting the ball downfield on a consistent basis even even more important in ways to get that safety, to get everybody to back off? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought we 
did a kind of started to get the run game going. We had some decent plays tonight, and um, you know I think there's still more out there. You know I keep telling Naj, get physical. You're big, be big, play big, run through tackles. Don't avoid contact, make contact, be be scary. You know I remember I got to play with Jerome, and Jerome created contact, and it was you know it was a, a game changer when he ran people over. And so I, I keep trying to reiterate that to him. Uh, at the same time, you're right. We have, we have to take shots, and um, right now we're just a little bit off. And and, and I'll um, I'll look in the mirror and start start pointing the thumb at me, figuring out um, you know how to make this portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career focused programs, leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how. You prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, whether it's some flexible hybrid format. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Ben threw deep yesterday. He did. He did. 45-yard touchdown. And a beauty, an absolute beauty to Deontay Johnson. Over an all-pro cornerback, who, by the way, had terrific coverage on Johnson, Jerry Alexander. There's nowhere else that ball could have been put that would have resulted in a touchdown. He threw other passes that I thought were pretty sharp, including downfield. 30-yarder to James Washington. Remember that? Got the Steelers down near the goal line. To set up another score, this was in the second half. Then there were a couple of throws that I know everybody's going to be talking about that either, depending on your point of view or which player you happen to like best, Ben overthrew Juju or Juju failed to catch catchable passes. I fall somewhat in the Juju could have caught these passes fold. I am open to other coaxing because my point of view on this was seven stories up where the Packers have their press box at Lambeau. And it's not that close, but it does give you a better perspective than TV can for the arc of the ball, how hard the ball was thrown, and really just that feel that you only get for something when it's live. I thought that the first miss, Ben threw the ball a little bit too hard, but that Juju didn't get off the ground and didn't extend his arms, didn't do anything to catch it, and the ball ends up going right through his hands, right through his hands. The second one was a little bit more complex. Juju went and ran a route, and he told me afterward that He wanted to cut in a little bit because he thought that's the way the route would go based on where the safety was. Instead, the ball went kind of straight. So that was a little bit more of a mix-up. Whose mix-up is it? You never find that out. Ben took full blame for both of the incompletions. Juju took full blame for both of the incompletions. And that's as far as that story is going to go. Would those be considered bad passes by Ben? No chance. No chance, and here's why. There'd be no discussion or debate about them if they were outright bad passes. I'm going to read you Ben's numbers again. 26 out of 40. That's 14 incompletions. I counted three drops. 
So now we're down to 11 potential bad passes. And even then, I went through every other one. Every other one. And could come up with a grand total of a half a dozen bad passes. Now, a half a dozen bad passes is not what you want out of your starting NFL quarterback. That's why, and I'll repeat this, I don't believe that Ben played well. Ben doesn't believe he played well. No one believes he played well. But this idea that you're just going to rocket him into the sun and anoint Mason Rudolph in his happy feet, it has no basis in actual you know, reality. Meaning what we're actually seeing. It's not about your emotions or my emotions or even the Steelers' emotions. It's about what's actually happening. Want to hear another crazy number? Here's one. Deontay Johnson was targeted 13 times, made nine catches. That's pretty good. Two of those passes that he didn't catch were totally uncatchable. They were among Ben's bad passes. Najee Harris targeted seven times, caught six balls. James Washington, five times, caught four. Eric Ebron, targeted twice, caught both of them, didn't drop them. Pat Fryermuth, targeted once, caught one. Zach Gentry, targeted once, caught one. Ray Ray McLeod, targeted once, caught one. Benny Snell stinks, targeted once. Of course he didn't catch it. In fact, it was a drop. Oh, wait, did I miss somebody? Yeah. Juju was targeted eight times, caught two balls. Eight times, two balls. Once, he was interfered with. The rest of those? Dude, you want to make $20 million a year being somebody's number one wide receiver? This stuff doesn't show up on your ledger. Bad burning ribs or not, it just doesn't show up on your ledger. And someone, somewhere, anywhere, would want to bench Ben Roethlisberger over that? Wow. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for just one question. That's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who've filed for workers' comp, who need assistance with medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. This is a real thing. It's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in the Commonwealth. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them online at lgkg.com. Our J1Q comes from Doug, who says, It seems Ben is firing the ball a million miles an hour on every pass and being long with most of them. There are no touch passes. Do you think that this is just a mechanics slash accuracy issue, or do you think, as I do, that he now has an overwhelming fear of interceptions. Doug, I appreciate the question. 
and I say that before I start picking it apart, <laughs> okay? Some for better, some for worse. To start, you mentioned the mechanics. Ben himself acknowledged that on some of his throws, he was dropping his elbow, which he acknowledged can lead to some inaccuracies. And those are the ones that we saw where we just kind of went, ah, the pass that was way behind Najee. Remember another one that was behind Deontay, uh, where you just go, how did that come out of his hand? Why did that happen? Now, he didn't acknowledge anything medical there, even though when you hear elbow, you think automatically of his surgery. But he did acknowledge a mechanical thing. He didn't acknowledge it as it related, by the way, to those juju plays. This was about the ones where he really, really missed. Is he firing the ball a million miles an hour, to go back to your question, and losing uh, touch on those? Well, he brought that up, too. And not in an excuse-making kind of way, either. He said, I've got receivers that I can't afford to be getting hit. And by that, he's talking about Juju and Deontay both playing through injuries. You know, Deontay's got the knee. Juju, of course, as I referenced before, had the ribs. And these guys have been struggling to practice of late. The last thing you want to do is put up one of those floaters. Um, They're pretty when they happen. You might remember Aaron Rodgers tried one in this game as well uh, to his tight end deep downfield, and he didn't put enough on it, and he's lucky it wasn't intercepted. But those are really nice when they work. But they can also get your guy slaughtered. So Ben's mindset, and he acknowledged that he might have overdone it at times, was to have less of an arc on those throws and to really cut it loose. Which he did, but he did with the understanding on the receiver's end that that's how the balls would be arriving. They didn't find out about this after the fact. It was discussed. Do I believe that he has a fear of interceptions? You know... The funny thing is, Doug, if you go over his season to date, there's a lot of different things that you can criticize him for. He hasn't thrown many picks, you know, and he hasn't taken many sacks either, considering the state of the offensive line. The worst things that could have happened to this offense as a result of that O-line being as bad as it is, and and it was again, in this game, haven't happened. Why? Because he's getting rid of the ball in a split second. That's really the problem here. That's really the problem. Yes, there were times yesterday when he had more than three, even four seconds to look around. It was rare, but it happened. And he didn't always hit. He didn't always hit when that happened. And that looks really bad because especially as an observer, you're thinking, whoa, this is awesome. Look, this looks like the old times when he could actually look around and survey the field. But guess what? If he's not used to that, then it's going to be kind of the same reaction for him that he can't believe it. Look, I'm not I'm not a believer in sports discussions as being pro this or anti that or you're a Ben backer or you're a Ben basher or any of that stuff. Sports aren't politics. We don't have to take sides. 
I don't take sides when it comes to covering the teams that I cover, the players that I cover. All I try to do is to come up with the best answers that I can. Sometimes that involves statistical research. Sometimes it's watching the film. Sometimes it's interviewing the players. I did all three of those. I did all three of those on this day. I also watched the game in person with my own eyes because I believe in covering events live. I believe that there's a value to it. So you can throw that one in as a fourth thing. But it's not because I like the player or I don't like the player or anything like that. It's just about the best, fairest answers that I can possibly come up with. I don't believe that it's fair to brand Ben Roethlisberger as the problem. I believe that's lazy. I believe that's inaccurate. And I believe it's doing a terrible injustice to all the things, not just Ben, that are wrong with this team. And anybody who thinks that this can be, wow, even improved, let alone cured by having a different quarterback, objectively speaking, is out of their mind. I appreciate the question again, Doug, and I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll have another one of these tomorrow after I fly back home.